Zombies vs. Vampires. These two subgenres of horror have dominated movies the last couple decades, but which creature is better for cinema? Let's discuss. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today we're getting into spooky season. It's almost October. So we're going to discuss not just horror movies, but horror monsters. Yeah, and I thought it'd be fun to... We were going to do a zombie episode, but then I'm like, what if we compare zombies and vampires against each other in terms of the qualities they bring to cinema, to movies, the pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, which we think work best when it comes to telling a story or which are the best characters and kind of comparing them as subgenres in horror. Absolutely, and I love both genres. They're are excellent films for both zombie movies and vampire movies. But what's interesting is vampires, they have this mythological kind of legend ingrained into the culture and storytelling going back hundreds and hundreds of years, even thousands of years. There's been ideas of, you know, demonic presence. And the in the background of where vampires come from is from a very real place, but it's, it was misinterpreted as supernatural by the people because this was centuries ago, so they had no other way of explaining these odd occurrences, odd coincidences. So I love the idea of vampires being ingrained in human humans' culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, zombies have been in culture for a long time as well. The stories of bringing back the, the dead. Can you bring someone back from the afterlife? What would that be like? And obviously, both types of movies, there are so many different variations of the kinds of zombies or vampires we get. We have slow zombies, moronic zombies. We have intelligent zombies. We have scary, fast zombies. Same thing with vampires. We have monster vampires. We have the classic Dracula vampire. We have the sparkly vampires. We have sexy vampires. Vampires, like Celine in Underworld. They're all sexy. They're, yeah, vampires are pretty sexy. <laughs> except for The Last Demeter. He's not that sexy. Yeah, actually, I didn't see that movie. He looks pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many different variations to each type of character and each type of creature. Why it's so fascinating. I mean, even Blade being a daywalker part vampire. So I love both genres. There are so many great ones in each vampire and zombie movies, but there are also plenty of duds. It's something that's pretty tough to do these days. I think it has to be a very unique idea or just executed very well now. It is easier to pull off than werewolves. Yeah, werewolves, werewolves are tough. Werewolves have probably the worst track record when it comes to monsters and movies because there are a lot of good vampire movies, and there are a lot of pretty good vampire movies, and there are a lot of good zombie movies, and there are a lot of pretty good zombie movies, but there are only a couple of good werewolf movies, and the rest are kind of just like, oh, I shouldn't have watched and this. And I mean, the thing with the, what, the, the werewolf movies is I loved the concept of yeah. the werewolf, and I was so excited for The Wolfman the one that stars Benicio Del Toro. I was pretty disappointed by that movie because I thought that was going to be a resurgence of bringing the werewolf back to cinema. In a big way, obviously, Underworld has the lichens, and that's probably the most well-known example. Honestly, of, my favorite interpretation of werewolves are lichen, lichens in Underworld. They're pretty badass. Yeah. and I, But obviously, I really hope that... I mean, Gosling's been attached to the Wolfman re-adaptation for years now. I mean, that'd be really cool to see if he's able to pull off that project with Chim uh, Francis. He's going to do it, with yeah. The guy he did Blue Valentine with. And... I hope they can do that because I think lichens are cool and they're part of like the vampire culture. They're connected in a lot of ways. They, I think, I believe werewolves also have a vulnerability to silver, if I'm correct. Because the reason why silver and garlic are a weakness to vampires is because they're antibacterial properties. 
garlic is, is antibacterial and silver is antibacterial. And so in lots of interpretations of the vampire lore, it's a parasitic and bacterial infection which causes it. So these antibacterial agents can weaken it. So I guess you could just walk around with a bottle of 409 and spray it, <laughs> spray it around if, you, if you're being hunted by vampires. I guess. I mean, 99.9% four- of bacteria. 409 would be great. Yeah. yeah. 409 <laughs> would fuck up a vampire. Some Windex. Right in the face. <laughs> it would fuck them up. It would probably melt their skin. Now, before we like start breaking down the concepts of vampires and zombies and how they work in films, how about we talk about some of the best vampire and zombie movies? How about you do zombies and I'll do vamps? That's not yep. vamps. I like the vamps. I'm all bro. about the vamps. The vamps. So, well, pref- which do you prefer, real quick? Are you going to take, if you had to choose, you have to get rid of one and keep the other. Are you going vampires or are you going zombies? So, in terms of a genre, you have to get rid of zombie movies or vampire movies. That's a really tough decision because I would say my favorite movie of these both genres uh-huh. is probably 28 Days Later. It's probably a zombie movie. And, but the thing with vampire movies, there are so many more vampire movies and a lot more solid vampire movies, I think, than zombie movies. So if I had to get rid of an entire genre, I might get rid of the zombie genre just because vampires, you have so much more cinema to choose from. I would say I like the vampire genre better as well because you have more freedom for creativity with the storytelling. Zombies, there is kind of a ceiling with what you can do. With vampires also being able to make your characters the the, van, the the creatures and the monsters, and that gets more interesting. Whereas zombies, it's only worked a few times where zombies were intelligent and were actual characters. So I think there's just more flexibility with vampires. Now also, monster, which is better, zombie monster or the vampire monster? Not genres, just like in terms of a monster, what's better? Well, objectively, like in terms yeah. of better how? Like, which do you like better? Which do I like better? Yeah. That's tough. You know, I... Vampires, they have so many great qualities and traits. They're sexy, they're alluring, and living forever is just so enticing. But in terms of when you're when talking about movies and cinema and the Im- impact of a creature, yeah. I think the global impact that zombies have on stories is a lot more fascinating and like how it's always like post-apocalyptic and destructive and you can see the outreach of how big a zombie like outbreak a virus. is. And yeah, it's kind of relatable to, especially the last three years, like an infection or an outbreak. But again, with vampires, you have the great ability, like you said, to tell a great personal story. I'm not talking about movies, just monster. Monster? Not including movies, just monster. What do you like better? Zombies. Zombie? Zombie? Okay, zombies. Okay, I like, I like vampires. All right, cool. That's an easier answer. No, but like, this is where Jared talked about. I know, about. I'm just asking. Monster, when it comes down to it, like, if what do you like better? Monster or, zomb- or vampire? Zombie or vampire? I'm going vampire. I love vampires. I think I'm going to go zombie. Yeah. It's a good pick. <laughs> Thanks. <Great> pick. <laughs> There's two to choose from. Yeah, it's a good pick, bro. Not bad. <laughs> nice pick, man. Nice pick, but mine's a better pick. <laughs> now, all right, so I'll do the zombie movies. All right. Where are our top? We have a list of 14 zombie movies for, like, the best ones. Yeah. So, starting off at number one, 28 Days Later. I mean, this is... The best zombie infected movie, whatever you want to call it. I know some people say it's not technically a zombie movie. It's a rage virus infection movie. It's a monkey virus. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's. I still think it's a zombie movie. It's awesome. It changed the genre, not just of zombies, but of horror for the 21st You've century. It changed things forever. Yeah, it was very important to the horror genre, especially zombies. Now we have fast zombies forever. It wasn't the first fast zombies ever. but And then Shaun of the Dead at number two. This is just one of the best horror movies ever made as well. It's, it's hysterical. We all love it. We've all talked about it. Edgar Wright's a brilliant filmmaker. Number three, we have Train to Busan, a great zombie movie that came out a few years ago out of South Korea. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a zombie infection outbreak on a high-speed train. It's excellent. 
and it's a blast too. It's, it's like World War Z, but a little bit more contained and has a lot more humor too. And then at number four, we have Night of the Living Dead, just one of the classics, and this is the reason why zombies are so loved in the horror genre, movies like this. Number five, we have World War Z, Speak of the Devil and He Shall Appear, which is an excellent contemporary World War, I mean, war scope, I mean, <laughs> world Slow scope down. of what zombies could look like in today's world and what an outbreak could be of not just fast zombies, but almost like hive-like zombies. The strength of World War Z and what separates it from other zombie movies is just the scale of it, whereas every zombie movie, 99% of the time, were contained to one environment. But with this, we're seeing the global scale, and that really makes it a special zombie movie. And hordes! Yeah. We see mass amounts of zombies in a lot of movies, but to see hordes of zombies just swarm Jerusalem and go over the walls, it's insane. Is uh, Israel? Yeah. Is Israel? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Jerusalem's in there. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like the country of Israel. Okay, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> They're taking their land back. <laughs> but uh, World War Z was surprised. I was surprised how good it was. Yeah, especially because it had so many production issues. It had to go through like eight months of reshoots and rewrites. And it's based off a book, which is actually pretty different than the movie. But I think it's a badass movie. And I hope. I yeah. mean, we'll never get a sequel to it, but the book is a, a series of, of diary entries, and so when they filmed it, they actually had a completely third act, different third act. They they hired Damon Lindelof to rewrite the third act. He came up with a new concept, make it smaller in scope, and then they have to, they had to reshoot that. They threw away thirty million dollars on their original shoot of the third act. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, but it has some of the best outbreak sequences in terms of chase scenes and cities being destroyed by zombies. It's excellent. I remember I I tried to copy Brad Pitt's hair in that movie at one point. <laughs> I don't think you can copy Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's pretty hard to copy yeah. uh, per, a genetic specimen's hair. <laughs> a perfect human being's hair is not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number six, we have Zombieland, which is a very refreshing take on zombie movies when it came out. Lots of humor. It's a blast, and just it's based off a comic, I believe, right? Or, or, sure. I believe it's based off a graphic novel. I think so. It might be. It yeah. just breathed a lot of life into the genre where we see the same thing over and over again. This was just campy and fun and a blast, but also scary. Next, we have Dawn of the Dead. You could put both of these on yeah. here. I mean, the original as well as Zack Snyder's from 2004. I think they're both really good movies. That was his first movie. Yeah. Crazy. I, I love how he still is hanging around in the zombie genre doing another one eventually. Goes back to his roots. I mean, he's, he's a good horror director. And then we have number eight, Resident Evil, based obviously off the video game from PlayStation and PlayStation. Sony. And I loved the game, and the movie's solid. When it comes to a zombie movie, it gets everything done. It's pretty faithful to the video game, one of the originals, so I think they did a good job with that movie. I think it's a little underrated and overhated. I think it's good, too. I think it's yeah. overhated. It's it's a fun movie. It's it's a really solid movie. Can everybody movie. stop hating Resident <laughs> Evil? Please! It's good, man. It's got a really good opening scene, too. I also the elevator? I also think it's the only good one. The good zombie? Oh, Resident Evil? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've made seven <laughs> shitty movies off of one good movie. <laughs> Isn't that how half the franchises are these days, yeah. anyways? At number 10, we have Corpse Bride, which is a zombie movie. She comes back to life from the dead and is a zombie. It's a it's a terrific and, and adorable and, and great animated stop motion film. Tim Burton. You skipped one. Did I? Oh, Warm Bodies. Anthony brought up earlier how zombies are difficult to connect with sometimes because the zombies aren't the characters. They're not usually intelligent. However, Warm Bodies is a great refreshing take on zombies where our lead is a zombie who still has his intelligence. Yeah, Nicholas Holt's great as a zombie. That was a big big break for him, right? It was an early big role for him as a lead. 
Number 11, we have Wreck, which is a Spanish horror film, kind of found footage of zombies, which is excellent. Check it out. But the Spanish film, the American one's pretty good with Jennifer Carpenter, but the Spanish one is fantastic. Number 12, we have Planet Terror from Robert Rodriguez. There are zombies in this. They're different. They're fun. They're gross and creepy, but a little more intelligent than usual. Super gross. Super gross. Number 13, we have Paranorman, a great stop motion animated feature. And then number 14, we have Army of the Dead. I'm sure people are... Oh, yeah, we got two Zack movies yeah. on this. Yeah, wow. <laughs> people are going to be like, really? Army of the Dead? I like this movie. I know. I yeah, you love it. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. I had a great time watching this movie. Yeah. I think the movie's really good. It's just the, the dialogue. It's the dialogue for me. Dude, it's a zombie movie. I, you can just cover your ears, but the action's great. <laughs> the action in this movie's great. The zombies are great, and I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. All right, next up, we got our best vampire movies list. Now, we've actually done episodes both on zombies and vampires, so check those out as well. We did great breakdowns of the films, but here we're going to really break down the monsters and the creatures. But our favorite vampire movies, the Swedish film, Let the Right One In, is top tier. It could be the greatest vampire film ever made. And Let Me In, the American remake, is very good for Matt Reeves. Next up, Park Chan-wook's Thirst. If you haven't seen Thirst, check it out. It's fucking crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it, it takes the vampire genre and does everything. It hits every beat from gores to scare to thrills, great action, but uh, so much great humor, too. And also, he does things you've never seen in a vampire yeah. movie before with it. Exactly. It's, it's so unique. It's a lot of fun. And then we have Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, one of the most visually stunning films I've ever seen. He did some incredible stuff creatively with that film. Then we got Blade. Motherfucker's always trying to skate uphill. Try to ice skate uphill. Trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> you got excited. It's okay. I know. I love Blade, man. It's got one of my favorite opening scenes of all time. It's a great opening scene. And then, I mean, for Marvel characters, Blade might be my favorite. I think <laughs> he's, Blade's he's my favorite there, Marvel character. Especially because he was so huge for us when we were kids. We grew up loving Blade. I, speaking of the opening scene for Blade, I saw a great video meme yesterday of uh-huh. the song, that the house song, the beat that's playing in the club before the blood starts to pour, and someone's dancing. It's like, when you're at the club and Blade's killing everybody, but you're, <laughs> you're just feeling the beat. That was a really popular trap beat back in the day. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. And we have Underworld, the Kate Beckinsale film. The franchise is pretty good when it comes to vampires and and werewolves, but the first Underworld is really awesome. Great action movie. Actually has a pretty good amount of heart, but Kate Beckinsale is an all-time action star from this franchise. All-time babe as well. And I, I like Underworld because it brings so much of the mythology of vampires and lichens to the forefront of the stories. Yeah. In terms of like, I think that this was a big 
influence on the next 15 years or so of vampire movies. Yeah. Because it was very successful. And then we have Nosferatu, the incredible classic film, the silent film. And then Twilight. Obviously, you got to have Twilight in there. Then The Lost Boys, which is a lot of fun. That's a great action, comedy, horror. It gets the it gets the thrills and the chills. It's just one of the best 80s movies ever, too, yeah, man. Kiefer is great, man. Kiefer is the man. When we talking about The Lost Boys recently, we were saying they're, yeah. they're very conspicuous. And yeah, obviously, yeah. they were going to get found out for being vampires and killed. They like to advertise how wild they are. Yeah, vampires, if you just lay low, you can live forever. <laughs> also, they, they really should start moving around more than they do in this movie. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have the story, though. Yeah. Next up, we got What We Do in the Shadows, the excellent comedy, the mockumentary film. So Super fun. I love when Taika's brushing his teeth. The other guys, the, the, like the oldest vampire's teeth in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, like the Nosferatu type He's vampire. like asleep. He's like, oh, this is the best time to do it. <laughs> Even he's afraid of him. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Salem's Lot. Based on the Stephen King novel, then A Girl Who Walks a Home Alone at Night. Salem's Lot, real quick, they're making a new version of yes. that coming out in 2024. And then Only Lovers Left Alive, Jim Jarmusch's film, which is really great. It's got Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston, Mia Wasikowski and Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace. Really, really great dark comedy. It's like the it's like a really unique kind of vampire movie that I love. And then Daybreaker, starring Handsome Hawk. Handsome Hawk. I'm Handsome Hawk. <laughs> Willem Dafoe as well. Where uh, vampires are basically, most of society is vampires. It's a really interesting uh, twist on the vampire But genre. they're running out of blood, Running right? out of blood, yeah. yeah. So they're trying to figure out how to feed the population. Cool movie. Next, it has a sci-fi element. Then we have From Dusk Till Dawn from Robert Rodriguez. He's got a movie on both of these lists. He does. The and only then, one, I think, yeah. Yeah. He's got range, man. You missed one, too. Fright Night. The original, and also the remake's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's kind of, I like, the cast is great. I mean, Anton Yelchin again, and then also we have Colin Farrell. But Colin Farrell is just like hanging out, drinking beers in his house all the time. <laughs> we also have Imogen Poots is in this one and in 28 Weeks Later. So she's made, uh, 28 Weeks Later is, yeah, should be on the other list. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. should be on that list. 28 Weeks Later for Zombies. So she's also got a film in both lists. And then, also Anton Yelchin, he did a lot of horror. Yeah. He's done a couple of other ones. I can't remember. He actually, it was um, he played this like horror investigator in a film. I can't remember what the, what it was called. Based on, it's based on like a comic book series. It was pretty good. It was a nice comedy horror vibe, where he played an investigator. Man, he was great in the horror genre. I mean, yeah. and then Green Room, he's excellent. Absolutely. And then we have Van Helsing, another Kate Beckinsale movie. She's got two on this with. Huge Jackman. <laughs> there are rumors. It's not substantiated, but Hugh Jackman's interested in returning to the Van Helsing role. Bro, that would make so much money. Yeah, we had a lot of fun at this movie. This came out in 20, 2004, so we were pretty young. And it was on TV a lot. We were prime age for anything Kate Beckinsale. I mean, she was like my biggest crush growing yeah. up. And anything anything Hugh Jackman, man. X-Men and Van Helsing, sign me up. Yeah, they they were both on fire in the 2000s. Van Helsing, it's a great concept. The problem with it, I think that it was just too full of characters and monsters. I think it could have been... Yes, they bring they, the scope down a little bit, but like when they try to fit in every evil creature ever, it's it was Frankenstein, Dracula, it's werewolves. Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein's monster, <laughs> Dracula, because yeah, Dracula killed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I'm just giving you, you know, we have like eight <laughs> different was, yeah. horror icons coming into one movie. It's like take it easy, guys. You can make a franchise out of this. Yeah, the film didn't perform that well, although it's gotten a cult following. But I agree with you. There was too much overstuffed in it. If they kept it simple with just vampires and maybe. Had a tease of a different kind of monster, 
but I believe there's werewolves in it too. Yeah, werewolves. Yeah, he, yeah. They, yeah they, he becomes a werewolf at the yeah. end. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. There's too much, and also the CGI giant beast battle at the end between him and Dracula. And Dracula is like fucking jacked, like the Hulk. He's in the gym hard. <laughs> like, what is going on? But that, there are great concepts to that absolutely. movie and great yes. sequences and, and, and aesthetic. Aesthetically, it's a cool yeah. movie. Like, I love like the mirror and everything and going through it. And I think an over reliance on CGI with uh, Dracula's army that he was bo- he was birthing. You know, like all those eggs and like it was just like way too much CGI. It's a lot of babies. Yeah, lots, lots of babies. He was busy. <laughs> and also, like, I'm so I. Whenever a supervillain's trying to build an army, I'm already rolling my eyes <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, some dudes don't need to build an army. Just he's Dracula. He's Dracula isn't he need an army. Need an army. What does he need to take over the world right now for? Dracula doesn't need to take over the world. He never wants to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> then we got Catherine Bigelow's excellent Near Dark, which is a really cool like punk rock kind of I would say vibe of yeah, vampires. Cool. Yeah, it's uh just kind of like a wandering group of vampires just causing mayhem and grungy and punk rock yeah it's yeah. dirty it's yeah. grimy but it's excellent and then we got dracula untold starring what the fuck's his name from the hobbit i can't remember his there's name. a lot of people Sorry. in the hobbit the tall guy <laughs> luke Lance. evans luke evans yeah luke evans played dracula uh, they did an origin story this was supposed to be an early fr- film as part of the universe uh, universal's dark universe franchise that ended up not working this was actually the first entry in that and then after this film bombed oh the it was before the mummy before the mummy gotcha. so this film performed really poorly and then the mummy performed pretty poorly mummy made some money but just fan reaction was terrible so then after these two films they decided to cut the cord on the dark universe but this was the first entry in the dark universe man it was pretty good uh they made dracula into too much of a hero figure i think in my eyes uh, so it, and it was like more, I don't know. It just, it was just, it was different. I like what they did. They were shooting a shot doing something different, but ultimately didn't completely work, but it had some good elements to it. Now let's get into these a little more intensely and in depth in terms of what they bring to movies, what they bring to cinema, to characters, to plot and, uh, the better genre it's up for debate. So if you had to say, obviously we said, which creature you prefer. Now, which do you think is the better genre? Do you think zombies are a better genre for movies or vampires are a better genre for movies and why? I think that vampires are are the better genre because you have a wider breadth of storytelling elements. You can do lots of genres and pull them off really well. There can, and also, like I said earlier, being able to make the vampires your characters in a lead, like Interview with the Vampire, um... All, all these films, most of the most of the time, the vampires aren't even the villain. They're the actual leads of the movie. So I think that allows for better storytelling and more kinds of stories other than, in my opinion, as amazing as – as much as I love zombie movies and uh, no matter how amazing the genre is, it does have a ceiling with what the story structure is. It's like end of the world, survivors trapped. Um, that's kind of mostly it. For the most part, but for vampires, you can throw the vampire story into an action movie, uh, and not to say you can't do the same with vampire with zombies, but it's still kind of like the end of the world thing. Where as vampires, it doesn't have that end of the world quality, so you can just do all sorts of different kind of narratives with vampires. And you, you can still do end of the world quality. Yeah, I mean, you Daybreakers yeah. is like the end of humanity, basically. Mm-hmm. But you know, I agree from a storytelling standpoint. You can do a lot more with vampires, even though zombies are a blast. But like you said, we're limited to the world's over. 
just survive. You can do fun things. You can do something like Zombie Land. You can do something like Warm yeah. Bodies. But at the end of the day, if there's a zombie outbreak, shit's destroying the world, and it's about survival. And it's always the plot of a zombie movie is survival. Vampire movies, you can do all kinds of plots. I mean, Interview with the Vampire, it's a period piece, and we're talking about someone's past the whole time, just going through his memories and what he's done and yeah. how he became yeah. a vampire and how he has lived his life since. You can do interesting things like that, being a reporter and writing an article about this guy, or you can do something... A superhero movie. Yeah, you can do a superhero movie like Morbius with vampires, or you can do Underworld, this a kick-ass action movie about vampires. And you can just do a straight-up horror movie like 30 Days of Night where the vampires are more monstrous than they are characters. Yeah, and then, I mean, coming-of-age with vampires, with Twilight, coming-of-age movies with zombies, I mean... I guess coming of age during a zombie apocalypse, sure. But like, you can do the coming of age movie with the Twilight. You can with Twilight. You can do, yeah, but you can also do the war movie, World yeah. War Z, Dracula Untold. You got the war movie in there too. From Dusk Till Dawn is just something crazy and fun, and I think that it just offers more opportunities for character development, ca- better characters, more iconic and memorable characters. I mean, when you go through this entire list of of vampire movies, the characters stand out. Whereas when you talk about vampire movies, it's the zombies and like what they bring to the world. That's what stands out. What kind of zombies are they? Are they slow? Are they dumb? Are they smart? Are they fast? Are they hives? Are they hordes? Are they limited? Are they, and you know, I think that's more important to a zombie movie. But when you can really get great characters that you remember, like I love Celine, I love Blade. I love the characters in Let yeah. the Right One In. I loved From Dusk Till Dawn, Van Helsing. Like These are all great, great characters. And then the vampire movies, you also have – both have great human characters. But I like vampire movies when obviously the conflict and the plot revolves around a human and a vampire. I think those are really interesting to me, Like especially something like like Blade who's like on both sides. He's a human and vampire at the same time. Or Underworld, uh, the connection between – a human and a vampire driving that story, this kind of forbidden love, Fright Night, human vampire. I mean, it, it's all, I think it works so much better when you have a human as lead and a vampire, multiple vampires. Twilight, as lead. too. Twilight, yeah, exactly. And also, the thing with the human characters, it, the characters is, in zombie movies, for the most part, the best characters are people and humans. Yeah. Not, this is not the actual monster, because most of the time, the monster is mindless. In uh, the opposite is true for vampire movies. In vampire movies, most of the time, the vampire characters are the best characters, as opposed to zombie movies. You gotta make your humans the interesting characters. And vampires, they're so interesting and intriguing because this concept of immortality—these people who have or beings who've been alive for hundreds, sometimes thousands of years—the knowledge they have, what they've done. And just what would it be like to never die? What what would that look like for a person? What would that do to a creature, to a non-human, to a vampire? And then the concept of just feeding off blood versus eating flesh. It's sexier, but vampires are sexy. They are. I think that's one of the strengths they have against zombies is they're really enticing. You can be very romantic with them. You can be very sexy with a lot of these stories. And there's something that draws people to vampires of like, a desire to be one, the desire of immortality, the desire of immense knowledge, the desire of life experience that goes back centuries, the desire to never die. It's really alluring. And also, so with vampires, you also have the really nuanced take of the character dealing with the curse of immortality, the curse of being damned to hell. Uh, so character, vampire characters take it either they love it, like Tom Cruise's character, Lestat, in Interview with the Vampire, or 
they can bear they can't bear it. Like Brad Pitt's character Louis in Interview with the Vampire. You also get characters like um, Thirty Days of Night. Those vampires obviously love being vampires. Thirst. You have that prob that dynamic of one character can can barely bear continuing being a vampire. Well, the other character flourishes as a vampire so you get to see the dichotomy of how a human would react with this kind of curse with this kind of power and how that has an effect on their psyche with zombies sometimes they're intelligent but for the most part once the person's turned they aren't a person anymore in vampires it's always a curse in movies it's always a curse that's passed on where zombies it can go both ways it can be a curse or it can be some sort of witchcraft or something brought back from the dead, like the Evil Dead. Well, I'm I, sorry. Is the no, evil... no, no. So I, I took it off. Oh, you took the you, Evil Dead you off? You put the Evil Dead on. Technically, it's not a zombie movie. The, so they're not zombies. They're p people, their bodies possessed by deadites. So it's demonic. demonic. possessed bodies. Yes, so they're not zombies. Even though they can be disgusting and gross and dead, they can be dead. They're not zombies. They don't feed on flesh. They feed on souls. And they are demonic presences, so it's more of a possession movie than it is a zombie movie. So, okay, okay. even though you could, the case could be made that the Evil Dead monsters are zombies. Technically, Deadites are not zombies. They are intelligent beings. They are demonic beings, and they possess bodies. They don't. Tr it, the person doesn't transform into a into a zombie. Their their bodies taken over. Okay, so zombies are generally not cursed. Then it's yes. usually an infection, yes. or there can be some kind of witchcraft that brings someone back from the dead. Some sort of mythology. Well, yeah. So what, Corpse Bride, Corpse Bride is an example of you know bringing a dead wife, your dead wife, back to life. Cabin in the Woods, yes. the spell that they read, the enchantment yes. brings the zombies to life exactly. out of the ground. So there are ways to bring the dead back from that. It's not just an infection every time. Exactly. But I think the idea of infection is such a great strength to the zombie movie genre in terms of how real it feels. Obviously, the zombie outbreak, there wouldn't be like a zombie outbreak. I mean, who knows? Hey, but don't say that. Did you hear about the mushrooms, bro? <laughs> what mushrooms? <laughs> the mushrooms that were inspired, that inspired. Uh, oh, cordyceps. Yeah, cordyceps. Yeah, that inspired, inspired um, what's it called? The Last of Us. The Last of Us. Yeah. They're, it's getting stronger. <laughs> so as the climate warms, those get, uh, those spread more easily. We better watch out, everybody. Yeah. We're gonna all become mushroom fungi. mushroom zombies. We're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna be... Are they called zombies? In no, they're not called. The zombies. Last of Us. What are they? They would. Uh, they're more uh, infected, or yeah, they're just infected. Uh huh. I, I would. You. I guess you, you could, could classify it as zombie, but technically, it's not zombies. Not. Not completely. I. I guess. The thing with it is the thing with cordyceps and with the Last of Us. They're not eating flesh. They're. So, like, I think for a classification of a zombie, you really have to eat flesh. Even though 28 Days Later, they don't usually show flesh being eaten. They're just killing. It's the rage virus. But cordyceps, their main goal is to just infect, not to, to spread, eat, To spread, not to eat. So that's why they're not technically classified as zombies. Well, I think that, so the classical idea of the zombie is flesh eating, but the genre has expanded to spreading infection. Exactly, so 28 yeah. Days Later, it's not about eating flesh. It's about the blood infection. Also, um, I would say World War Z, it's not about eating flesh. It's about spreading the virus as well. Whereas, obviously, Shaun of the Dead is about eating flesh. Dawn of the Dead is about eating flesh. Night of the Living Dead is about eating flesh. Planet Terror is eating flesh. Um, so I think that the genre has expanded to not zombies to classify a zombie. They don't have to be flesh eaters. I, I agree completely. And I think it's totally fine to be a zombie movie and not have flesh being eaten. I think it's fine because, like you said... 
It's about affection a lot of times. And I guess The Last of Us, you could consider them to be zombies. I'd say as a, as a casual fan, I didn't play the game, but I watched the show. As a casual fan, I look at The Last of Us as zombies TV show. But, in the, but also the thing with The Last of Us, it's not an infection that comes from humans. Uh-huh. It's from nature. It's yeah. fungi. So in a way, does a zombie, the spread of that infection, have to come from another being like uh, the monkeys? And well, the thing is, most later. most zombie movies don't have an origin. You don't know what the origin of Shaun of the Dead zombies is. True. Um, World War Z, there is an origin. There's a uh, what do you call it? Like the zero, the zero patient, patient zero. zero. There is a patient zero in World War Z. Resident that, Evil, it's the T virus. Yeah. But Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Planet Terror. I don't think it has an origin. Zombieland. So, is there an origin? I don't think they don't. So. Know, if there was, they don't. I don't think they explain it. You don't have to. You don't have to. Exactly. But vampires, they always have an origin. Oh yeah. It all comes. Dracula is the patient zero of vampirism, and vampirism can look at. You can look at it as either a curse, as either Dracula was cursed by Satan by hell to be damned forever. And it's portrayed as that in Francis Ford Coppola's film, Dracula. Or Dracula could be the origin- originator of the virus. You could look at it as a virus of vampirism. So you can look at it both ways. But for the most part, generally speaking, unless there are obviously vampire movies that don't mention Dracula. But I think we always have the idea that Dracula was the first vampire. No matter what vampire movie you, you're watching... Even if they don't mention it, in the back of your mind, you're like, Dracula is the origin. And I wonder if, I mean, can you also classify it as sometimes as being a curse versus something that's like, I mean, it is a curse, but you get cursed with vampirism. Well, it's not, I would, it is a curse you deal with, but it's not like a curse in terms of a spell. It has to be physically transformed. Yeah, it's not witchcraft. And that's why I think it's so fascinating when you talk about transformations in movies with characters who are either becoming zombies or vampires. I think vampire, becoming a vampire is always more interesting, even though it's very similar usually. But I think you have more flexibility of what you can do and kind of hit the same beats of, oh, sunlight's getting harsh or I can't eat that pasta. There's too much garlic in it. Or <laughs> You just can't eat pasta. <laughs> have you ever seen a vampire movie? No, as you're transforming. <laughs> Not like yet. <laughs> As you're transforming? How, okay. How long is this transformation? Sometimes it takes a while. So Sometimes it takes days. Sometimes yes. it's quick. So you're saying if you're like suffering through the transformation of becoming a vampire, you're like, should I make pasta? No, like let's say like <laughs> it's taking like a week and like you go out to dinner and there's some... some... Nobody's going out to dinner where they're turning into a vampire. So what it's if it's horrible. taking a slow time? You could know, but you suffer. It's terrible. I know, I know. I know. But it's more appealing you, to you watch. You can't go to Olive Garden. It's, more, it's better to watch cinematically someone turning into a vampire versus a zombie because you can do so many things with it and you can draw it out for long periods of time. You can make it seem sort of like you're getting over a drug addiction and kind of having withdrawals or just like a, an intense sickness. But then with the transformation into being a vampire, you get so many incredible traits. Obviously, you have to live off human blood forever, which is terrible, but you're super strong. You're smarter. You are faster. You can sometimes you can speed. fly. <laughs> the velocity. I, I see ideology. <laughs> sometimes you can fly and you have incredible powers. So, yeah, that means some of the strengths of vampires immortality, strength, flight. You can transform into bats and spiders sometimes. Seduction. Telep- some vampires have telepathy, they can speak through people's minds. And also regeneration. They can regenerate flesh pretty easily. Pretty quickly. So whereas the strengths of zombies is they don't feel pain. 
And they, as long as they have a head, they're alive. They don't, <laughs> <laughs> by removing the brain or destroying the head. <laughs> by remove, no, by destroying the brain or removing, removing the, the head. head. <laughs> by destroying he changes the, the channel. <laughs> Shot of the dead. <laughs> I fucking love it. And then if you look at the weaknesses of zombies. So the weakness, we, zombies have two weaknesses. Fire and headshots. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And fire, it really just slows them down a little bit. It's a weakness, though. Yeah, it, it fucks is a, them up. It absolutely, it can burn them to a crisp. Absolutely, is a weakness. I I like zombie movies where they make the zombies vulnerable. Sometimes they're too invulnerable and they can take damage like crazy and keep walking. But like from a physiological standpoint, if you're like fucking up a zombie with like a knife or shooting them and you're not hitting them in the head, they should be crumbling to the ground. Their muscles shouldn't be able to work. If they or, get a shotgun to the chest, they shouldn't be able to stand up again. Well, maybe stand up, but like if you shoot them in the leg, they shouldn't be able to stand up again because their muscles just wouldn't work. But sometimes in zombie but then movies, drag. That, yeah, drag. <laughs> drag. But sometimes in zombie movies, they're like take like twenty bullets Assault to the rifle. body. Yeah. And then they stand right back up. It's like, that's not how muscles work. That's yeah. not how bones work. No, that's a good point. That's 100% right. It yeah. doesn't happen in every zombie movie, but there's a lot of zombie movies that that, that but irks it, me. But it's interesting because they, they don't feel any pain. They're impervious to pain. So pain is something that will prevent you from moving if you are injured. So it might be kind of accurate. Since they don't feel pain, nothing's stopping them from continuing the motion. No, but you're I, talking about physically. I mean, physio physiologically, if you just, if you destroy muscle, muscle tissue, bone yeah. tissue, cartilage. If that you can't move yeah. your leg if there's no muscle yeah. there. No, I get it. Sometimes they get sprayed with bullets and they're still like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Where they should be on the ground, like crawl. Sure. Crawling. Yeah, yeah. yeah or at least a limp. Give them a limp. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. But, but what's interesting about it's really cool to see how the transformation can change. So sometimes with vampires, the physical change is not much at all. You get They get the teeth, and sometimes that's about it. Sometimes they can look more grotesque and monstrous. Uh, Dracula, it can be both ways with him in Coppola's film. He can either be his weird-looking self with his crazy hair. <laughs> his, like, <laughs> classical like painting version of yeah. himself. He looks like a person. <laughs> with the very white makeup. <laughs> but he looks like a human, but he also has his monstrous side that he can transform into, like, the giant bat. Well, even in his human form, he's very creepy. He's got those really long nails. Yes. His eyes are, like, discolored, like, almost red. So he still looks inhuman in his human-esque form. Yeah, but also they can look human but have a ton of teeth, like in 30 Days of Night. Um, sometimes the teeth can be grown. Uh, at a moment if they want them to and they can retract them kind of and sometimes you know the vampires are just they're just monstrous looking um obviously the last uh voyage of the matter dracula is just like a giant bat the whole time um but he's jacked yeah but he's, he's jacked bat i don't know he looks pretty slim to me <laughs> i don't know if you've seen it the trailer the trailer it's pretty skinny but for the most part vampires still look human and that's the point. They disguise themselves. They That's how they lure their victims. They need to blend into society. So most of the time, they do look human. But with zombies, you can either go the 28 Days Later route, where it's a viral infection, and they'll have like the red eyes. And you can see their veins are discolored. That's about it, though. But sometimes, and then also sometimes with zombie movies, the flesh, if zombies been around for a while, it's like... It's like Decomposition. They're, decomposition. They're rotting. A person gets turned into a zombie, and then their flesh is just rotting because blood's not pouring, pumping through it anymore. So the flesh rots. It gets discolored, gross-looking. If they get shot up or disfigured, like those wounds just get really nasty-looking. So zombies, they'll never stop transforming. They'll never stop 
decomposing. And that's what's really interesting about it because eventually they look extremely undead and they look to the point where how can this be a living, a, a breathing being? Plus so many of them got so messed up whether they were killed and then turned by yeah. zombies. They got half their face eaten off by other zombies before they turned. So they're just disgusting and grotesque. And So zombies definitely take the cake when it comes to the scariness of the look of the creature. I think so too, absolutely. absolutely. Because even when you see a monster, a vampire turn to a monster, it's still like, it's not like the scariest thing in the world, but like the concept of these disgusting, rotting, walking and running monsters coming to eat your flesh, that's terrifying. Yeah, so I'd say for scare factor, I think zombies take the cake for z scare factor. There are some very scary um, vampire movies, but I always find zombies to be more frightening. I think so too, and but there are plenty of great vampire movies that are terrifying, and I mean, Thirty Days of Night is a scary movie, so I think you can do really interesting things with that, especially because it's always at night. But the zombies, it's daytime as well, so you get to play it at the in the daytime, except for Blade, because uh, he puts on that sunscreen, and the vampires get to go out during the day. Steven Dwarf wearing the sunscreen—it's <laughs> a little as much, but it's S so good. SPF five, man, or SPF. No, the higher the number, the more power. Yes. SPF, SPF 5 is SPF definitely... SPF 1,000. It's the worst SPF you can get. It's Basically, five. it's like tan It's oil. like not even putting on sunscreen. I don't know much about sunscreen. You I never wear it. I never wear it. So yeah, you would Got the tan, baby. The, the, the higher the number, the better. How about we head on into our intermission, and then we'll get back into discussing zombies and vampires in cinema. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we continue, the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your family and friends. If they love movies, they love TV, they love cinema, if they love horror movies, zombies, and vampires, send them this episode, send them our show. It's the very best way for our show and podcast to keep growing. So please share us with everybody you know. And also, you can leave a five-star rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or both if you want. That'd be amazing. We are killing it. We get seen by new people because of these ratings. Spotify, we're at like 2,300, which is amazing. Apple, we're at 1,800, trying to break 2,000 ratings on our show, which would be super important, a massive milestone indeed. So definitely help us out there. We'd love to read them. I'll read off a five-star review in just a minute. And another great way to support our show is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Now, Patreon is a subscription-based form of support for the show. We have five different tiers of monthly membership, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every tier comes with awesome perks, but also every tier gets two bonus episodes every single week. We have over 200 that you get to watch and listen to. Also, if you connect your Patreon to Spotify, we have a Spotify Patreon bonus episode playlist on Spotify now. It's called Raiders of the Lost Patreon, so you can listen on your favorite app, Spotify, to the Patreon bonus episodes. $10 gives you access, access to our Discord. $25, you get a custom episode. The perks just get better and better the higher up you go the chain. Thank you so much to everyone who is a patron and supports our show. And this episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. MoviePosters.com has a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. For fans of the horror genre, they have a huge library of horror posters be sure to check them out for all of your horror fandom needs. And we also did a movie poster giveaway with them last week. Congrats to our winner, who we announced the other day. 
We're going to do another movie poster giveaway contest with MoviePosters.com next week, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. And let them know we sent you. Yeah, let them know we sent you. They're great. How about we now do our intermission, Anthony, and begin with the movie quotes competition. Are you ready? All right, here we go. That's too... (laughs) Great, great one. (laughs) I already messed up. (laughs) That's much too vulgar a display of power, Karis. (laughs) In time. In time. The exorcist. (laughs) In time. All right, here's my quote. Ah! Ah! (laughs) I fucking know this. That's so funny. Oh, man. uh... Do it one more time for the listeners. Ah! It's a pretty, pretty good impression. You are Christopher Walken in Sleepy Hollow, the Headless Horseman. Correct. <laughs> ah! Those are his only words in the movie. <laughs> That's good. Great guess. <laughs> guess this movie release year. The original, The Wolfman. 1934. Or the other one, the second one. <laughs> 1948. 1966, that one. Sorry, there's been three. So the second Wolfman. The second Wolfman, yeah. So what year did the one that came out in 1966 come out, Anthony? 66? Yeah. (laughs) That was pretty terrible. That's my bad. How about next time you do your research? I did a little research. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> you skimmed it. I skimmed IMDb. You searched Wolfman and looked at the first one. Okay, this must be the original. 66? <laughs> There's no way they made an older horror movie than 1966. No, no, no. No, The Invisible Man isn't from 1933. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, what year did The Deer Hunter come out? I want to see... I, I, is this 80s? No. No, it can't be. 1978. Yes. Got it. He does love it. Told you I love it. Because, let's see, Taxi Driver 76. Godfather Part 2 is 74. Because I'm trying to think of like how old De Niro is. Yeah. Well, he won for Raging Bull in 80. Yeah. And he... So... But then when you think of The Deer Hunter, it's like the film, it's not an 80s movie. It's not from, like you can tell the stock. Yeah, it's definitely not. I got it. Let's go. Moving on to movie pop quiz time. Well, technically, so fun fact about The Deer Hunter. Let's go. I'm just getting a little nerdier. Uh, The Deer Hunter came out in 1978. (laughs) So it came out in 1978 just to get the Oscars um, contention. But it wasn't really, it was released very limitedly. It came out in like a handful of theaters the last week of December. So it's it really played in 1979, but technically it first came out in 78. But it really, it really technically it came out in 1979. Movie pop quiz time. Who directed The Wolfman, the 2010 version starring Benicio del Toro? Oh, I know this. He's um, he's an okay director. We talked about him. Yeah, in a we recent just, episode. We just talked about him. What do we what do we do episodes of recently? We just talked about him. Fucking A. What's this fuck? Oh. <sighs> you got this, man. Can you name the movie we were talking about with this director? That's a dead giveaway, though. I can if you want, though. I'll give you a hint. Captain America, the first Avenger. Joe Johnston. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually going to say it before you said it. Sure. Sure he was. 
<laughs> All right, Christopher Walken played an insightful janitor in what comedy? Oh, I feel like I could see him in <laughs> dancing with the with the broom. Yeah. Fuck, what is this movie? I can see it. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Joe Dirt. Yes. <laughs> I fucking love Christopher Walken, man. I can't wait to see him and do it because he's been like MIA for movies for a while. I think. Well, yeah, I think when you, when you get to a certain age, I think a lot of actors they slow down because the grueling process of making movies as an actor sometimes it's just three months of a lot of work. Plus, the phone stops ringing. I mean, there's less roles for someone in their 70s than when they were in their 30s. But he's such a good actor, and I can't wait to see him. But Oscar winner, man. <laughs> man. Oscar winner. He's done some fun movies. He's done some fun movies. <laughs> the dancing in that scene is ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's Oscar winner for Deer Hunter. Correct. Yeah. Correct, Mundo. All right. Um, what do we have for hate comments this week? Any real haters? Any Raider right. haters? Well, we always have haters. We got. Let's let me uh, pull them up here. One second. Shit, I have so many screenshots. I'm going right. to pull up a five-star review while you do that. In our Bear episode, Paul Diario wrote, Going through the guest actors and not even mentioning Joe McHale, unfortunately, I'm going to have to unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, we did forget to mention him, but he played uh, Carmi's old boss, the piece of shit chef yeah, that he used to work right, with. Yeah, that's right, yeah, with the glasses. Zachary, Zachary Us Clark, you posted a clip of the Bear on Instagram, and it's about... What I what my thought Mike's plan was? Yeah, you played a song with it, but you played the song so loud, I could barely hear my voice. And then Zachary wrote, "You guys are talking too loud. Can you turn the music up? Unsubscribe." <laughs> <laughs> He's right. I played the clip. I was like, "Holy shit, it's loud." We got hate on. So that clip is basically Anthony's talking about what Michael's plan was with the bear. If you've never seen the movie, the, the TV show, I'm not gonna spoil it or anything. And so that's the title of the clip. Like we're about to explain the bear, the plot of the Blair, the bear, mm -hmm. what Michael's intentions were. For about ten seconds, you have plenty of time to swipe away before anything gets spoiled. Did someone have spoiler error problem yeah. with that? Literally, the clip. You have ten seconds to swipe away. First of all, it's called "What Was the Plan?" That's oh obviously God. like we're gonna reveal something from the show. Like, what else do you need? Swipe away. How thick can you get? <laughs> Someone complain about that? Yes, dude. Dude, it took me a minute to explain. I know, that's what I mean. Holy shit. Change. Just swipe. S swipe away. Just swipe. S swipe. Use your thumb and just swipe it up. You will not have a problem. Oh my god. What did they think the clip was going to be? I don't know, man. Explained? If you see the word explained... I didn't Some, say I didn't say explain, well, sorry. But just but like what the title. The, was, yeah, what was the plan? Obviously, someone's gonna tell the plan. Anthony's if you getting, don't want to know the plan, Anthony's getting heated. Change the clip. <laughs> All right, we got another hater, <laughs> which has she's a great fan. She wrote in our cap trilogy. Love this one. Also, gonna point out that y'all said Jennifer Connelly hasn't made the Marvel money, but she was the voice of Karen in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh, I demand a retract. I demand a retraction. Or I'm gonna unsubscribe. She's the suit. Yeah, voice is the suit. suit. Voice. That's right. She got that Marvel money. It's funny that I bet they did that because Paul Bettany was. Oh, they Jarvis, definitely did. Because Jarvis keeping the family. Yeah, yeah. Keep it. <laughs> it's fun. They definitely did. So thanks for that. I totally forgot that she was in a Marvel movie. Seen Homecoming once. She was also in Ang Lee's The Incredible Hulk. But it wasn't Marvel. I mean, yeah, it was Fox. That was Fox. Yeah, that was yeah, that was Fox. The Eric Bana one. Yeah, yeah. You got another one, or should I go to the review? 
Go to the review. All right, this is a five-star review on Apple from Steve S. New York City, L.A. D. <laughs> Great film podcast by two, quotes, brothers. I think he's insinuating that we're not one brothers person. and we're one person. <laughs> it's a lot of editing. I love this podcast, and my Sundays now begin with their Sunday morning film news roundup. I yes. like that title. But whoever cast these brothers should have realized no siblings sound exactly alike. Maybe one of them could have a Cockney accent so I could tell them apart. Unsubscribe. <laughs> I like how he did unsubscribe with like HTML, the uh, the brackets. It's a code thing. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Can I see it? <laughs> yeah, hold on. I'll toss my phone to you. It's just, I'm just not picturing it in my head. The side triangles. That's oh, like, gotcha. It's like a coding oh, thing. Oh, gotcha. Pretty cool. I like that. He must do software or something. Don't assume. Well, that's the only re reason why I would ever see that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's a good assumption. Great deduction. <laughs> Anyways, what's your streaming recommendation? The Cabin in the Woods is on nice. Max. This is a great time. It's a lot of fun. It's scary as hell, and it just flips the entire horror genre on its head. It's a blast of a movie. I'm sure you all have seen it. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Extremely underrated pick. The Cabin in the Woods on Letterboxd, which I, and I think... Cabin in the Woods is a fantastic movie. Cabin in the Woods. It's pretty divisive, though. I know a lot some of people, people don't like it. I think it's just a blast. Three point four on, on Letterbox. Eh, I, I guess for Letterbox, that's okay. That's a though. six point eight out of ten. It's a seven. But also on IMDb, I don't believe it has. I think it's like a seven point two. It's got to be over a seven. But I know that it's not as liked as I think it deserves to be. That's what. Yeah, that's why I mean it's divisive. I know a lot of people that really just seven. don't like that movie. Just a seven on IMDb. I think it's excellent. I, will, I, will, I think I've it's seen it like incredible. five times. It's so funny. It's just some people they don't maybe they don't love the satire of just or understand when you're just ripping apart an entire genre for fun. Yeah, because when I look at that movie, it's just a really fun time, um, and I don't I don't see a single thing about that film that doesn't work. It's really great. It's great. It's got yeah. it's got all the cliches on purpose to make yeah. fun of the cliches. It's just I think it's having so much a, fun. Yeah, brilliant concept. I love it. My so, streaming recommendation. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. It's good. I was just saying it's just my stream. <laughs> <laughs> got him. American Gangster on Max Ridley Scott's crime epic starring two goats, Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. And my God, I just love watching Ridley Scott movies just because he is so good at directing. It's insane. Just the way he shoots his scenes, it's incredible. And the acting in this film is top-notch. They're a great pair, Denzel and Crow. I love the movie. It's really, really criminally underrated. Pun intended. Now let's get back into zombies versus vampires in film. Where do you want to take the conversation next? I got an idea. All right, let's so hear it. So I made lists of the top five kills of each creature. Love it. Now, every list online is the best kills of killing the creature. So, I thought it'd be fun to go the other way of what are the best kills of a creature on a human? Woo, I love it. Cuz every every list was about how, like the best kills of killing a vampire or killing a zombie. So, I wanted to flip it. So, the best kills of humans by zombies. The Dawn of the Dead opening scene, the Zack Snyder film is fantastic. Sarah yeah. Polly, the outbreak begins, her family's turn. She's trying to survive. Her husband in the bathroom. It's horrifying. We saw that as kids. It's one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in my life. It's just like in a neighborhood. Yes. And yeah. she, cul-de-sac, runs to her. It's basically the Last of Us opening scene. But it was they did it first in this in this film. And it's unbelievable. It's so terrifying. It's so suspenseful. And it's also really tragic. Yeah, in like the bedroom, she, her, yeah. She's going through the death. Her, her daughter and her husband are dead and zombies trying to kill her. It's a crazy scene. And then 
driving through the neighborhood. Zombies are all over the place. It's, it's crazy. Great opening. It's a great pick. And then, train to Busan, the station attack, when, uh, when they... Everyone on the train, they get to that station thinking everything's okay. And the doors open. Doors yeah. open. They walk down the station, and then they go down the escalators. Then what do they see? A horde of zombies, and it's this race to go back up the escalators. Zombies are taking out people left and right. And the escalators are still they're going down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's great gore. It's great kills. That is one of my. I think that's my favorite part of that movie. It's just fantastic because it was such a shock. And then. David's death in Shaun of the Dead, when he's being pulled through the window, <laughs> his guts are being torn to pieces. Oh my god! It's funny and also horrifying at the same time. And also, he's the character you wanted to die because <laughs> <laughs> he's in love with Liz. Yeah, is that her name, Liz? Yeah, yeah. You skipped one, by the way. Number four. I didn't skip anything. World War Z. Huh? What list are you looking at? Top five. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, get out of my list, man. You're on the wrong list. I am on the this wrong. This guy's all gotcha. over the place. I see it. Then we have, 28 weeks later, opening scene again. Robert Carlyle's character, very similar setup as Dawn of the Dead. Also just extremely well done, horrifying, tragic. And then it's that foot chase. Him running across the field with zombies chasing him. That's an incredible scene. It's one of the best opening scenes in a horror movie ever. I mean, the way it starts and then how he gets into his house and his, his wife and daughter are trapped in a room in a different part of the house. He leaves them because obviously, like from that perspective, would you run or would you stay and probably die? Because there's no way he can get to them in time. You could argue yeah. he's got no it's choice impossible. but to escape. So he has to just jump down from a window from yeah. the house. And he was in the attic or something. I th yeah, yeah, so he takes I th the attic window out. Yeah. So then he escapes, and then his family are running, are screaming from at the window, and then they get obviously killed by the zombies. But then running, like you said, to get to the boat on the water with J John Murphy's in a heartbeat playing. Yeah incredible sequence incredible shot that wide like plane a uh, helicopter shot of him being chased by a bunch of zombies that is one of my favorite opening scenes ever it's Dude, fantastic it's awesome do you have one because i actually don't like my fifth choice it's not really a zombie killing a person so zombies killing a zombie so you're talking about 28 days later when jim this one doesn't count so yeah. jim mark and selena are in a are in his home and then the zombies come through the window yeah right it's a great kill but not quite for what I, I don't know why I put it on best five best zombie kills. I would say there's a great kill early in Train to Busan where there's a woman she's going in between the compartments. I think and like it's what's so good about that movie is they keep it so secret from the majority of the yeah. people on the train that there's zombies like they don't even know until it's like too late. And then she's trying to go to the bathroom and then she gets attacked there. It's a great oh yeah, kill. I know it's terrifying. Yeah. It's a great kill of her like going into that separate compartment to where the bathrooms are. Good pick. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome, man. All right, next up, <laughs> we have the best vampires killing human scenes. So, the king, the queen, the granddaddy of all vampire killing scenes is the pool scene and let the right one in. It is, I'm not going to spoil it. Watch it. Watch the let the right one in. If you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Watch the Swedish version it's first. It's shocking, it's horrible, but it's also... Uh, awesome. empowering <laughs> yeah. and I, like really you're like you're cheering yeah it's a, it's so you get so many emotions from it but also it's just fucking fantastic if you haven't seen it watch let the right one in not let me in watch let the right one in next up thirst the apartment slaughter that one is so fucked up and wild and what's great is you don't really see much of it but you hear it 
and it's absolutely horrifying. And then you see the aftermath of it when he walks into the apartment when she's done, and her all of his friends and family. Oh my God, blood everywhere. It's crazy. Then the club scene, Blade technically a vampire. He's killing a bunch of vampires, but also the guy who's brought into the club. What I love about that is we're in his shoes. You know, we're a human. He's a human, and we're being brought into this club just like he is. And then he's having fun, but things seem off. There's weird stuff going on, and then blood starts raining, and then they all go after him, and it's a feeding frenzy. Oh, my God, what a fucking scene. And then from dusk till dawn, after Salma Hayek stripped tease, we get the big slaughter where they start the vampires reveal themselves and start killing the people in the crowd, and yeah. it's fucking crazy. Insane slaughter. You missed one. Yes. Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow's film. The bar scene, the vampire crew goes into a bar and there's a few patrons there. And one by one, they kill each of them, toying with them. It's very gory, very graphic, and just so, like, raw and in your face. It's great. Great, uh, great list, man. Thanks, man. I like how you like to watch humans get killed by monsters. I mean, isn't that the point of the horror movies? <laughs> that is kind of the point. <laughs> now, when it comes to plot and story, what I love about the zombie movies, though, is the global stakes. There are a few vampire movies where you get that, Daybreakers, obviously. But generally, vampires keep a low profile. Especially in Underworld, they're keeping a low profile. Small numbers. Uh, Blade, they're, they want to keep a low profile, but obviously Stephen Dorff's character wants to go global with the vampires. Worldwide, wide, wide, wide. But I think the global stakes for the zombie movies are what make it so enthralling and terrifying. Just the concept of an infection taking over the entire planet. But then also the idea of quarantines and bringing that into a lot of storytelling yeah. with zombie movies, especially a movie like 28 Days Later, where there's obviously a zombie outbreak in the UK, in London. You know, Jim, this guy wakes up from surgery. He was a bike messenger. Last thing he remembers was getting hit by a car. And he wakes up in London. Everyone's gone. The entire city has been abandoned. One of the biggest cities in the world has been, it's just, everyone's gone. And then he sees the newspapers, evacuation, everything like that. And... The global stakes, he feels that, obviously, but then what's so great about 28 Days Later is, you know, it's the UK, it's a big-ass island, and there's that soldier when they eventually get to that mansion where the soldiers are, who's like the philosopher soldier, who's the best of the doctor. Like, he's like a morally good person, and he's, you know, he's trying to stop them from taking the girls and everything later on in the film. And he's talking about when they're trapped and in, in handcuffed to in the basement with Jim, he's talking about, think about it, we are in quarantine right now. We live on a giant island. The rest of the world, they're getting on planes. They're living their life. The United Kingdom has been quarantined. We just don't know it. They're just letting us all either kill ourselves and also waiting for the zombies to die, waiting to starve to death. That's obviously when they eventually get found later on in the film. This is an old movie. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for you, but I mean, it's, it's like Spoilers! 22 what's years What's the plan? Old. 22 <laughs> years later. Um, <laughs> what's the plan of 28 days later? <laughs> but... I think what, but then it. what's interesting is Jim later on when obviously he's attacked and he tries to and he's about to rescue the girls from the mansion where the soldiers are he escapes from the execution and he looks up in the sky and what's he see a goddamn plane flying across the UK probably going from could be going from the United Commercial States airline. to yeah. freaking Italy who knows he sees a plane in the sky and realizes this isn't global it's 
huge. It's taken over our entire country and region, but we've been quarantined. So I think the idea of quarantines are one of the best storytelling devices when it comes to infection movies and zombie movies as well. Especially after what we all went through. Yeah. Yeah. It's more relevant than ever. But you're right. I like the the global stakes of zombie movies. And the end of the world idea is a strength to the zombie genre. Whereas vampires, because their weaknesses are so strong, they can't go out in huge numbers. And they can't reveal themselves. Because they... Vampires, if you think about it, they could easily be taken down by the world if the world knew of them. You think? Because their weaknesses are so powerful. Sunlight, silver, garlic, wooden stakes, uh, crucifixes. I mean, it's... It depends on the movie and the lore because not all of them work in every... No, no, yeah. I'm saying generally speaking. Like blades, like garlic, all that's bullshit. Silver, either use silver bullets or drive a stake through a motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) True. True, true, true. But I just think that vampires, it's it's easier for zombies to infest the world than it is for for vampires. I agree. Yeah, I think that vampires. Be, I think with the un, with zombies and the undead, they're so hard to kill, and World War Z show them in such huge hordes and how dangerous and how quickly they spread. That's where it's the rapid spreading. Whereas vampires, it takes a while to turn. Uh, they don't turn immediately. Like World War Z, uh, one of my favorite scenes is when Brad Pitt's character times the turning. It was seven seconds. And, like, there's no way to fight to combat that, how quickly people turn. That's the case for most zombie movies. They turn pretty quickly. Whereas vampires take sometimes a few days, sometimes overnight, but it does take some time. So they can't they can't even spread that quickly. And the thing with vampires is they usually don't want to spread that quickly, and they're very selective of who they let become Because vampires. they have to protect themselves because they can be very vulnerable to, to humans. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That is a really great point. That's why, because they're in small numbers, and they want to keep it that way because they need to keep a huge food supply. That's why Daybreakers is a really interesting take on a vampire movie where they're running out of their food supply, they're running out of blood, and they're trying to make synthetic blood that's not really working. And I think that's one of the most interesting concepts about that movie, Daybreakers. And I think that's that's a good point, absolutely. They they would be vulnerable to humans in terms of attack, for well, sure. What was, the, there was a movie recently with like blue synthetic blood? What? That was, what was that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're We yeah. watched it this year, I think. Something was it a vampire movie? Or? Let me check. It, it definitely it was fake blood. It was that blue. They were trying to make and it was blue. Maybe was it an old Blade movie? Maybe. No, I don't think so. I know exactly. I, I'm blue think, blood. Synthetic. Because I remember it was synthetic blue blood. Blood. It wasn't Daybreakers, was it? No, I didn't watch that this year. It's something. I know it's it's something. Vampire movie. Synthetic blue blood. It's Daybreakers. It's Daybreakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Day- yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I did watch that this year. Yeah, that that is Daybreakers. Hmm. It's a good concept. It is a good concept, and I think you're right. I think if uh, if vamp if people knew about vampires' existence, they would get taken out. It. They're it, extremely it, vulnerable. They have their weaknesses are terrible, terrible for them, and their weaknesses can are are easily exploited by humans, which is why. Oftentimes, humans end up killing vampires at the end of mov- vampire movies. So I think that generally, like vampires, they don't want to spread to big numbers. They want to keep it small because they need their food supply. I mean, they can, you- only, they can only be outside um, eight hours of the day. If that, if yeah. that. And I mean, if you're a vampire for the rest of your entire life, 
Some movies are different. Sometimes every day you have to consume a crap ton of blood. Sometimes it, it can last you like a yeah, week. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes You have different. to drink human blood forever. You need a massive food supply, and you need to lay low, and you have to have such a huge food supply that people won't notice or care that a couple people go missing here and there every, every couple months. You know what I mean? So they have to keep their food supply huge and immense. And some vampires are very picky because they want, only want to choose people that have the right qualities and people that they think would make good vampires. Um, whereas some vampires are kind of reckless with who they turn. And that's actually a conflict in a few vampire movies where there will be like a wild card vampire who's just turning too many people as opposed to being more wise about who they're turning. And then Underworld's a great concept where we have like the super vampire lichen with uh, Scott Spiebens' character who gets the hybrid. He gets the hybrid of yeah. the blood and the infection of both the lichen and the vampire, and becomes like that super duper hybrid. That's a cool movie. It's a, it's a good I like movie. That. I like I like Underworld because it's such a badass action movie too. Selena is so cool in that movie. Selena is a badass, massive guns. She does some work in that movie, man. I like those movies. They're cool. They're badass. When, when Underworld came out, man, we saw that movie a lot. I saw that movie like 10 times when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Maybe more. It's a good time. <laughs> we watched that a lot growing up. <laughs> we used to watch it all the times when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing with vampires, um, there is a great amount of ability for great action, like the Underworld franchise. And in terms of action, vamp I mean, zombies are the same. You can have great action in zombie movies. It's hard to see which one comes out on top in terms of the action genre. Which one is better? It depends because with zombie movies, it's not so much like uh, fighting action. It's always just attack and, and bullets and explosions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but sometimes it's better. Like Train to Busan, like yeah, World yeah. War Z. Great action. You know, but where... then like uh, vampire movies, you can have powerful beings. And you have the supernatural element to a lot of vampire movies, which is really interesting. You have superhuman strength and... And great fighting, and you can have great sequences of great action choreography, versus zombie movies, which are great action as well. But it's mostly like <laughs> spraying bullets, spraying bullets and, yeah, <laughs> which is cool. I think, um, I mean, but that's still action. When it comes to awesome. vampires and zombies, just to go a little, zombies might have the edge of the action genre. They might. When you when you, when you talk about both zombies and vampires, and staying on cinema, but then moving to TV, which do you think has better television compared to film with the character with the genre well i would say zombies just because are there any good vampire tv shows true blood was pretty good true blood was good for a couple of years yeah it was very good but still it was very tongue-in-cheeky um i would say tv zombies are dominating i mean the walking dead is clear that i think that i'm not vampires haven't really except for true blood grabbed a hold of TV, I guess in uh, they have the interview with a vampire has been readapted into a TV series. That's well, on now. Hulu. Yeah, not that many people watch it. Yeah, so yeah, I would uh, say that when it comes to TV, walk. I mean, zombies have taken over, and The Walking Dead is insanely popular. But I also think that when it comes to audience demand, which do you think is higher? Do you think people demand zombies more or vampires? More? It's without a doubt zombies. The most successful movies of this of these lists are absolutely zombie movies, and also the popularity on TV of zombies because. World War Z made $700 million. Holy shit! Yeah. The, made more than that, actually. It was a massive hit. It's, it's the most successful zombie movie. Yeah. It's one of the most what? successful horror movies ever made. So even though it cost 400 to finish... <laughs> yeah, it, it profited. It yeah. cost 300 in total. But World War Z was a massive success. Zombieland, the first one, was a big success. That's right, yeah. I think that made over $200 million, if, I, if I'm correct. On a pretty low budget. 
Shaun of the Dead didn't make that much. Twenty Days Later didn't. But make... Shaun of the Dead is a cult classic. Exactly. It's be, it's that's become, an all-time movie. It's become very successful. Yeah. Whereas vampire movies, there isn't a vampire movie that has been a huge box office sensation. There are vampire movies that have done pretty well. Underworld did good. Blade did good. Other than that, there's really not any vampire movies that are really box office juggernauts. I mean, you could say that. I mean, obviously the the Twilight movies are big. Okay. Fuck Twilight. Yes, Twilight is. But you take you take the Twilight Saga out because that obviously affects the totals and kind of it's you know it's kind of a an asterisk next to it because it's it just is from, a vampire movie. It though. is, but it's just one. But out of all the vampire movies, okay. So yeah. So what I'm saying is Twilight. Whereas you can take away some of those other zombie movies and still have a bunch of very successful zombie movies. Yeah, I would say okay. If you take away Twilight, zombie movies always perform better. I mean, Morbius is technically one of the most prof. I mean, not profitable, but like box office wise, one of the most successful vampire movies. Yeah, what is it like two hundred million? Something like that. Here, let me pull up. So, Twilight. Those are pulling three hundred million dollars a piece. Wow. Eclipse, oh, really? I uh, thought it was more than that. I see. I don't know why. I was, ex- I was expecting higher numbers. It says right here: Twilight Saga, Eclipse, three hundred million, New Moon, three hundred million, Breaking Dawn, three hundred million. So they all made three hundred million dollars. Okay. I mean, Hotel Transylvania. Those make a lot of movies too. A lot of money. A lot of money too. Those made over $150 million as well, three of those. Van Helsing made 120 Interview with a Vampire made 105 Bram Stoker's Dracula, 85 Dark Shadows, $79 million. Whew. Yeah, that one cost a lot. The Underworld movie is pretty successful. The first one was $51 million. 30 Days of Night, $40 million. So they're profitable, but I think there's just so much more high... Uh, there's more demand more for zombie for, movies. For profit with the zombie movie. I think they're more enticing for audiences in general. Because maybe there's so few of them compared to vampire movies. There are so many vampire movies. We almost get a couple every year, it seems like. Oh, no, there are a lot of zombie movies. There are, but there are a lot more vampire movies. There definitely are. Like, what was the last great zombie movie? Or last big zombie movie that you can last think of? Last big zombie movie, I would say, is Zombieland 2. Double Tap? And that was a while ago, man. That was like seven years ago, I feel like. It's like eight I, years ago, man. I didn't really like Zom- a Double Tap. I didn't. I think Zombieland, the first one's great. but And I think it's so funny. But... Oh, it's Hotel Transylvania has zombies in it. So Hotel Transylvania isn't a vampire movie. It's a monster movie. Okay, so it doesn't count. It's kind of like a Van Helsing movie. Yeah, it's got all of them in it. So we can't. that can't be on the list. But it seems like, I think, audience demand, I think zombies are higher than vampires. Okay, I got box office for zombie movies. 28 Days Later, 82 million. Train to Busan, 98 million. Dawn of the Dead, 102 million. Zombieland, 102 million. Warm Bodies, 117 million. Zombieland Double Tap, 122 million. World War Z, 540 million. Yeah, so like you take away Twilight. Resident Evil, Resident Evil franchise, 1.2 billion. Exactly. So if you zombies take away, are more successful. Take away Twilight, even take away Resident Evil. If you eliminate the big franchises, Resident Evil and Twilight, it's zombies are still number one. Yeah, you have way more movies making over a hundred million dollars. I think audiences like the zombie genre better. I think so too. In terms too. of numbers, I think so too. And I'm, The Walking Dead's a clear example of why. Because I mean, with with zombie movies, you have the larger scale, and the larger spectacle, which is gonna be more enticing for audiences rather than the smaller scale. That vampire movies always have, and there's something too. And also, Renfield and Last Voyage of the Matter dropped those like it ruined. Ren- Renfield yeah. ruined vampire movies for me, man. Renfield really did. Ah, man, that was that was not a good movie. And I think with with zombie movies is 
there's so many human characters that drive the plot, which is, I think, why people like them so much as well. It's, it's about survival and it's about being human. That's the most important thing versus a lot of vampire movies. Again, it's like co-leads of a vampire and a, and a human. But in terms of like, I think that vampire movies are more fun. They can be. I think vampire movies all around are more fun. You can do more. Zombie movies, you can have a good time. There are some funny zombie movies, but I think there's more opportunity probably for funness. In a but I'm not even movie. just saying just like comedy, but I think that even the horror is more fun. Um, and just the filmmaking is more fun. Yeah, because I mean, a zombie movie, it's someone trying to run at, a being trying to chase you to eat you. So it's pretty similar to the attacks and what they can do, the abilities. They were very bitey. <laughs> <laughs> another shot of the dead quote that's great so yeah i think the humor factor humor potential where do you think is the strength for, humor for zombies versus vampires it's, it's probably tied okay i would say humor you i think that humor zombies 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 Shaun of the dead yeah. Shaun of the dead zombie land warm bodies Planet Terror. Planet Terror's got funny moments too, but I mean, just those two movies. I think zombie movies have the have a lot more comedy than vampire movies. And potential for comedy. Vampires are never very funny. They aren't. But they're but I'm not but they can still be fun. Exactly. There's yeah, different. Like Lost Boys is fun. It's a good time. But it's not funny. I get that. I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I would say zombie movies take the cake when it comes to comedy. Without a doubt. But you get, I think you get a lot more human depth in zombie movies than in vampire movies. I disagree. I agree to disagree. Uh, with I'll you. cut gems. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. This is how I win. <laughs> KG, this is how I win. <laughs> because the themes that vampires deal with are themes that, um, you know, can resonate with any human being, whether it be temptation of power, lust, um, Thirst, I mean, not not in terms of thirst of blood, but thirst of delights too much. Um, struggling with the idea of death, um, damnation, evil, good versus evil. There's a lot of themes um, that you can resonate with as a normal person with uh, vampires. What's your favorite movie of both genres combined? Like if you had to pick one, I picked 28 Days Later. So if you had to pick one, what's it going to be? Let the Right One In. Yeah, let the Right One In is my favorite. And then I would pick. So my, if I was gonna do my top five out of all these genre, both these genres, I would do, let the right one in. And then I would do. Shaun of the Dead. Thirst. Twenty days later. And then, Blade. Those would be my top five. <laughs> I would do Twenty Eight Days Later, Let the Right One In, Shaun of the Dead. I would do. Blade, and then finally wrap it up with Thirst. Copycat. Pretty, pretty similar. Same it's like the movies. same five, just in a different order. <laughs> it's like when we go to a restaurant, we order the same goddamn thing. Oh, you got the bacon cheeseburger too. What an idiot. What an asshole. Yeah, we did, some, we did that like two weeks ago. We got the exact same thing. It was funny. Like what you like. All right, you got anything else on vampires and zombies? I love them. Gore. <laughs> Gore. What do we got? It's uh, zombies. Hands, zombies win gore. It's an easy win, I There's think. some good gore in vampire movies, but the gore in zombie movies is the best. You know, I love vampires and the concept of sucking blood and, like, going for the neck and everything. Carotid artery, the blood flow, even sometimes they go for the femoral. But I have a con with a lot of vampire movies where the vampires will go in and pierce a neck with their fangs, 
and then they don't even drink the blood. It just goes everywhere. It's like, did you, did you even drink any of it? Like, you just wasted it all. <laughs> it's all, it's everywhere except your mouth. That's funny. And your stomach. You yeah. just like it's it's for show aesthetics. But like, there are some vampire movies that do a great job of like you don't even see the blood coming out. Like, let the right one in. She's just chugging away at that throat, and you see some blood, but like it's not spraying everywhere. She also drinks though, that the 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 blood that he. No, I know yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah, but when yeah. she does kill, but when yeah. she does kill, she is like, like just if you're slurping. a vampire, you don't want to waste any of that blood. You keep it and drink it all up. So that's something with a lot of vampire movies that bugs me, where it's like that blood's going everywhere. What a waste! It's like awesome, you don't, though. you don't go get like a, a pizza and throw half of it on the wall <laughs> and just eat a slice and be like, I'm full now. Like, no, you want to eat that whole pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wasted blood in some vampire movies. A lot of wasted blood, unnecessary. <laughs> um, also, but I mean the bite. The turning for a vampire depends on the film. Sometimes all they need to do is get bit. But most of the time, you have to drink the blood of a vampire to get turned. Interview of the vampires like that, yeah. Most vampire movies are you have to drink the blood of the vampire to turn. And then zombies is always the bite. Or a blood infection. So 20 Days Later is an example where the blood drop falls on Brendan Gleeson's eyeball. And that turns him. He doesn't get bit, but it's a blood infection. It's in your blood. It's in your blood. (laughs) You won't make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. (laughs) The youngest seeker in a century. (laughs) (laughs) I love how we bring up Harry Potter and a zombie vampire. This is four episodes in a row of quoting Harry Potter or bringing it up. It's what we do, man. (laughs) What we built. It was the foundation of our podcast was Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. It really was. (laughs) It really was. We're actually going to do, we are going to do Marauders stuff soon. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on what the Marauders would be like. We might actually just write a a TV pilot and just kind of go over it. fan fiction. Yeah, fan fiction. Just go over it. Yeah, I think it would be fun. Absolutely. All right, got anything else? I got nothing else. Nothing else. Oh, romance. Yeah, romance. Vampires. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Romance, clearly, like you're not going to. Warm bodies, yeah. That's the only one I can think of where there's a romance between zombies and a human. But you can still have romance between the characters, yes. the humans, in the zombie movie. But the vampire has so Vampires, much it's got opportunity. The, it's got the romance. romance. It, it is. It's sexy. Yeah. I mean, True Blood's an entire show based on that Twilight romance. It's it's the, it's part of the culture and mythology of vampires is is love and romance and lust. So vampires got romance, but it was. I mean, both creatures they get a little. They each have both jo- a few genres on their own. Like they 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 both won some. They both lost some. But I think, for me overall, I prefer vampires. They're my favorite. I prefer zombies, but I think vampire movies are better in general. But they're I, yeah, I'm vampires both ways. Favorite monster, and then also favorite of the movies. Cool. Which would you rather vampire? become? Vampire. <laughs> That's a dumb question. Yeah. Okay. So oh, here's this is the question: Would you rather be a vampire or survive in a zombie apocalypse? I suppose what you're going at. Um. I'd rather be a vampire. I'd rather be a vampire, yeah, too, man. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Some cool powers. Yeah, man. Surviving's tough in the zombie apocalypse. It's a tough life, man. Yeah. All right. That wraps our episode on zombies versus vampires in cinema. This was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and get ready for more spooky horror stuff. We got to decorate the set. Oh, yeah. We got to get that yeah. going soon because it's already almost October. Holy crap. Time is flying. This episode's coming out on, like, September, like, 20th. Holy crap. We get, how do we, man, it's a shame we didn't decorate the set for this episode. We will soon. We'll yeah, get it's not October webs. yet. You're right. It's not October. That'd be out of season, man. Oh, if anything, I, we should get some pumpkins I and lo- like some gourds. I love decorating for Halloween and yeah, Christmas. Well, you can't do it too early. 
Can't do it too early. It's not early enough. <laughs> no such thing. Thank you for tuning into Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Again, the best way to support our show is to share us with your movie lover friends and family mem- members, as well as leaving those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple and becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care. Uh, 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 uh. This episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen. Our chosen one patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.